2: The weather's all over here it's actually not too cold but last week it was freezing here and i'm in southern i'm in northern california near san francisco so it just it just depends because you know climate change (laughs) but we're having like 30 degree hour swings oh good that's mine thank you yeah
3: yeah so um i just wanted to ask you first that you want me to share it or you can share it yourself uh, which will be more comfortable for you
2: um how do I share it if I share it?
3: Do you just click on, yeah, share screen and you can just share show screen. it up.
2: Yeah, um, I don't know, it doesn't really matter. Whatever's easier, honestly. Yeah.
3: So yeah, if I just put it like this, then yeah. just tell me what when to go to the next slide. So I will just okay. do this, okay?
2: That sounds good, yeah. Yeah, one last thing to worry about, thank you. <laughs> Um, Lisa, tell me about yourself.
0: So I'm a member of the EAT team and I uh, do the promotions for the, um, for the, for the EAT community, the economic action team. Sorry, I'm moving uh, files around. So my, my mouth doesn't work when I'm
2: moving my (laughs) mouse.
0: So, um, yeah, and I, uh, I live in New Jersey, and uh, so I study, I come from a marketing background, and I've studied biodynamics and uh, very environmentally active in my community. Uh, I'm actually a councilwoman in my local town, so oh, and I work with the green team and the environmental commission, so I get to um, work on initiatives and in, in that kind of level as well, doing public education outreach. And with the Eat team, uh, we're working on um, promoting and supporting uh, ecopreneurs, and having the conversations, and bringing the uh, the biodynamic and permaculture, the restorative. So, what what I like being here is I get to be with the uh, the team that talks about restorative uh, solutions to climate change. So,
2: yeah, I um, and I'll probably mention it too, but I'm. Obviously, I have a refill store, but I'm getting my certification on climate change um, and um, uh, another certification on being a sustainability expert just to kind of help companies and communities more high level than just at the consumer level. So it's got to be, I feel like it has to be two-pronged,
0: though, so we're not going to get anything done. <laughs> exactly. What, so... what city,
2: New Jersey, New Jersey, are you at?
0: I'm a... Uh... Let's see. I'm in a town called New Milford, and it is uh, about 12 miles outside of Manhattan. I'm not too far from the George Washington Bridge. GW. Yeah. Sorry, I keep forgetting, like the locals. We have local talk.
2: Well, uh, I lived in uh, for 10 years in Hoboken, so I...
0: Oh, okay. So, you know, far I'm far north far. of that. Yeah, I'm about 25 minutes north of Montclair. Okay. you remember that. Yep. I have friends who live in Montclair. Not too far from Paramus. So. Yeah. Now, today, would you like to begin, we'll do our intro, so this is this. It's how it'll, it's very casual conversation, and what we can do is, uh, I'll do my intro, I'll um, do a little bit of housekeeping, and, for our listeners, and then, um, let's see, and then we can start with your presentation, or a little bit of uh, intro, you can start sharing about what, where would you like to start today? What feels comfortable to you? And then we can go from, so we, it could be, we could go from your presentation to Q and a and your presentations uh, about 15 minutes. Is that how?
2: Yeah. I mean, this is just like a synopsis of the workshop that I do. I do Mm -hmm. workshops for people, for groups, for companies. So I just kind of did some um, generic ones that are be good topics also to discuss on, um, you know, recycling and the status of our planet and circularity and, and how things work. So um, I can, I don't know if I can do a little intro about myself and yes, please do. Yeah, What I'm currently doing and then we could um, go into the, the um, slides and people can ask questions. It doesn't have to be a, you know, me just talk for 15 minutes. We can make it interactive through each slide because they're all, they're all a little different and they cover different parts of what i think are important for sustainability
0: terrific terrific yeah no that's great so we have about four minutes before we go live now that's perfect so i'm gonna get a sip of water before we start
2: got my tea my
0: green tea
3: <gasps> it's a green
2: tea green tea
3: <laughs> oh yeah i'm a big fan of green tea <laughs> oh,
2: okay. so i have I have to have it every day. I don't drink yeah. coffee. I just love my green tea.
3: The only time I do not have a green tea is when I wake up because I have tried that. Then I, it, I don't know. It doesn't work with me. But after breakfast and the afternoon, yeah, at night, green tea is my thing. It's
2: your, your favorite something warm and yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. I yeah. gotta have my, I gotta have my coffee in the morning.
3: Or... <laughs> you used to have coffee and tea like i'm not a coffee person i'm a tea person and we have i think in south like this part of the world tea is a bit different <laughs> but then i'm not a big fan of that too so green tea is something that really works it's it's it really works with me <laughs> it's easy
2: so, Ari, where are you
3: i'm from pakistan Lahore.
2: okay yeah. and so tea is not popular there
3: tea is very 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 popular oh, that's okay. the main export here so yeah. but i am not the tea, party. yeah i'm not a typical pakistani person i don't want to eat meat so <laughs> do not eat meat that much um chicken a bit a kind of a vegetarian not even that much of a vegetarian <laughs> a bit of an odd one
2: that's okay that's okay better uh less carbon footprint <laughs> oh yes <laughs>
3: Family doesn't yeah. accept me like so.
1: Yeah, I think uh, we've got two minutes, so Thanks. let's get ready.
2: Yay, two minutes to blast out.
1: To close, something that's making noise.
3: Lisa, you want me to share the screen right now or we can do it after your intro?
0: Oh, uh, we'll do it after the intro. Sounds good, okay. Like, Yeah, let her, cause I'm gonna do the intro, the welcome to the podcast, and then um, uh, pass the microphone to to Amy so that she can do her intro and then she'll let you know uh, when to bring up. So uh, Mark and Areeb like, do not like to be on camera so all you have to do, yeah. Amy, and the community knows that. So all you have to do, you can address them by name. You can say, "Aree, you know, can you bring up the slideshow?" And then next slide. So.
3: Yeah, nobody wants to see us anyway. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> do <already> you know that?
3: <laughs> Behind the screen, it's uh, good. no. I like to share my camera, but thing is that I'm working on different things right now, like sharing screen and all of that, looking at comments as well. So yeah.
0: Yes. So I'm showing my
3: face. Then I get conscious that they went oh, way
0: <laughs> No worries. Busy back there.
2: Yeah. And Mark, is that you at the table? The picture that's up. Yes.
1: Right. Uh, all right, Lisa. Uh, you're on. we'll take it away.
0: All right. Thanks, Mark. Welcome everybody to the ecolonomic action team podcast and today we are joined by Amy Golan who's an ecopreneur and sustainability expert and she's going to share with us about uh, some tips and tricks that we can share to make our lives daily lives more sustainable for the planet she also has some new projects coming up that I'm interested in learning here a little bit more about that she was sharing before we started live And I just wanna remind everyone that the economic action team is available on your mobile phone through the Kajabi app. So if you go to your eatcommunity.com, you can sign up for the Eat Free Community. Uh, Eat Elite members can get the webinar, the the podcast replay in uh, when they sign up for the Eat Community Elite program. So we look forward to join, having you here. We're, and people who are joining us are welcome to ask questions. Just type them into the chat. We'll bring them up. Uh, let's see. And then I'm going to pass the microphone off to Amy. And so she can do the introduction and share about Planet Renew and her journey into becoming an ecopreneur. Thanks, Amy. Welcome.
2: Thank you. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining. My name is Amy Golan and I have started a company called Planet Renew. I started about five years ago and it all kind of started with me looking at my carbon footprint, how I was living, what I was doing. And I always thought I was doing really well. And then I read some article that kind of laid out, you know, how you shop and how you um, organize your house with your electricity and your energy and your waste management. And I realized, you know what, I probably could do better. So that kind of started my adventure into um, figuring out how to do things better and doing research. And that led to me starting Planet Renew. And I kind of just gathered my favorite products that were mostly plastic alternatives. They were eco swaps, you can call them. Um, And I started selling them. I created a little online store. I started doing events. I started doing outreach in my community. Um, I was invited to the farmer's market, the local farmer's market. Um, She, the owner came to me and was like, you know, we had these great, beautiful fruits and vegetables and everybody comes and they put them in plastic bags. Can you come with your organic cotton produce bags and your reusable straws and let's just get rid of plastic bags and plastic straws? And this was about four years ago, pre-COVID, so that kind of led me into that direction and I been doing events ever since, um, just trying to share what people can do and how they can do it. I offer products um, that people can use as eco swaps, but I encourage people first to use what they have at home and then if not, find a a better buying decision. So my journey started with events and then COVID hit and everything kind of took a break. And before that, I was doing, you know, eco swap gifts for trade shows instead of like little plastic tchotchkes. I was doing organic totes and reusable straws and branding. Um, So I kind of had to pivot like a lot of us did during COVID, especially if you have your own small business. And I um, launched the refill part of my business. Now, if you don't know what refilling is or refillery, it's taking any product you have for the house and going to a place, hopefully bring your own container and refilling on everything you need for the house, your dish soaps, your hand soaps, your laundry could be your toothpaste, sunscreen, shampoo, conditioners, lotions, all of that kind of fun stuff. Um, So I I added that to my company and my offerings. Um, And then people always go, "What, what can I do? Where can I start? So that kind of led me to doing workshops for local groups and for schools and helping with green teams um, which kind of brought me to where I am today. I actually have a physical mortar store. that's um, a refillery. I still have the online store. I'm still doing events, and I'm doing a lot more workshops and consulting. I love to talk to anybody and everybody about how to be more sustainable and what we can all do to, you know, reduce our carbon footprint and just, you know, try to help maintain or preserve the earth that we have because the uh, advent of plastic really makes it difficult with um, what we're doing and what what, what kind of um, what kind of effect we're having on our climate and on our water system and our agriculture so everybody can do little things to make a difference and I'm here to help you and give you some suggestions that hopefully you know some of them
0: and hopefully some are some things you can incorporate into your life. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm looking forward to hearing more about the refillery. Do you wanna show your presentation before we go into conversation? Would you like to do that? Okay.
2: So Arif, if you wouldn't
0: mind showing the
2: first slide. So I have a, a long presentation. I've grabbed a few slides just to kind of be starters of where to talk and what to talk about. But everybody knows that we have a plastic problem Um, But when you look at the numbers, they are a bit staggering. Um, This was actually last year when um, there was kind of a statistics done on how much plastic we produce in our daily lives. Because if you think about what you have and if you look around the house, everything you have probably comes in plastic or is packaged in plastic, or you're putting it in plastic. Um, So we are at 380 million tons of plastic every year. And that's unfortunately growing just based on our consumer behavior. We are, the United States is the top generator of plastic Um, as of last year, and and no one has beat us. We still are (laughs) this year in 2023. Um, And the sad part is we really don't have the infrastructure to properly recycle all of the plastic that we are creating. Uh, There's different types of plastic, and a lot of the plastics, especially little flimsy ones, are not recyclable. And then to dig down a little deeper, it really depends on where you live and your um, trash company or your, your county to d- depend on what kind of recycling that you can do. Um, so we are still throwing over 300,000 tons of plastic away in the trash and that number does continue to grow. I'm in California and we should be, could be more eco than a lot of the rest of the United States. But we are still dumping 12,000 ton- tons of plastic into landfills every day. And just to get a visual, that is 219 Olympic sized swimming pools. And that's according to CalRecycle, which is here in California. Um, So that is a lot of plastic. Um, People always ask me, should I recycle? Because Amy, you're telling me that we don't actually even recycle because you're telling me we only recycle four to 5% of everything that's actually put into the recycling bin. Yes, put it in the recycling bin because there are some high value plastics that are being recycled. Let's let the the trash companies put them into the trash if necessary. But the the better solution really is is to not be using products that come in plastic. Let's just change the conversation from plastic to things that are either compostable or reusable. And great reusable items are glass, um, aluminum, stainless steel. Um, So those are some, some of the things that are great swaps when we talk about Um, what we can do to kind of help our plastic problem. And another component is that is reusing the plastic that you already have. Everybody has in their house probably a plastic container that they bought their dish soap in. Could be palm olive, could be any brand or their shampoo or conditioner. If you have a store or refillery nearby, then I would encourage you to go there and take your container and you go and you pay per ounce. You just weigh it and you fill up on the product that you like. And it's a great way to reuse the container instead of trying to put it in recycling or in the trash. And it's also a great way to cut down on toxins and chemicals that may be in the products that are at your grocery store. Um, And that's one thing I always tell people, look at the ingredients, look at the ingredients of everything you buy, whether you eat it, drink it, put it on your body or use it for your house. Um, The United States doesn't do a great job of protecting us, the citizens. So there are chemicals, there are toxins, there are ingredients in products that aren't good for us. <clears throat> now, most eco refillery stores use products that are organic or pretty close to them. Um, so not, you know you're getting a high value, high quality products. Uh, does anyone have any questions in between sides? Feel free to jump in. Anything anyone wants to talk about?
0: Sure thing, no questions yet, so. All
2: right, let's go to the keep next one. All right, next slide. So here's some fun questions, true or false. Uh, First question should appear, um, or maybe that's the answer. Eight million metric tons of plastic end up in the world's oceans each year. Oh yeah, is that true or false? Unfortunately, it is true. And there's a pretty picture of some of the ocean plastic that has um, accumulated in different areas of the world. And this trash that you have seen that picture might be from California, even though it's in the Indian Ocean, because of the currents of the oceans, trash now is being, part, being um, spread all over the, all over the world um, and accumulating. Let's go to the next question. Um, recycling one aluminum can uh, can save enough energy to power a TV for three hours. Is that true or false? That sounds like it could be true
3: for me i'm
2: um, saying so. let's see kind of interesting it is true yeah so think about that one aluminum can could be diet soda could be any kind of liquid that is enough energy to power tv for three hours so that's a lot i mean i know a lot of people have tvs they like to watch tv um, so it's kind of interesting to equate where energy is and how it's used or how it can be used yeah, that's interesting. Uh, recycled paper produces 73% less air pollution than paper made from raw materials. True or false? False. I would say true. All right, we have one false and one true. Drum roll. Drum roll, it is so Okay, so that kind of just goes to the point that recycled paper is, you know, better than starting from um, an original source, which is the tree. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize when they look at their products, they go to the store, they need X, Y, and Z, they bought it. They don't really think about the whole process of getting that product. How did we source the materials? Where did the materials come from? How Were they sourced? What was the transportation and the carbon footprint involved? What kind of manufacturing? There's a whole process that goes into you know every little product that we have. you know, I have my um ceramic coffee mug looks great, so simple. But what went into making this? I think when people start to think about what we use and where it came from, we can start being a little more aware and making better decisions on um what kind of products. We should be using and what products we shouldn't be using. Let's go ahead to the next slide. If there's any questions, so sustainability. I love this green um, uh,
0: foot or hand. Uh, kinda, yeah, yeah, footprint. the footprint, the carbon footprint graphic carbon footprint is to kind of look at
2: how things are laid down. So definition, yeah. the ability to maintain a support a process continuously over time. So usually if you have anything made in plastic, plastic is made from fossil fuels, made from petroleum. Now to source fossil fuels, it's very invasive, very laborious, uh, lots of energy, lots of chemicals, lots of water. So that wouldn't um, be something that would be called sustainable because it's not being supported continuously over time. Um, So in terms of our environment, the avoidance of the depletion of a natural resource to maintain an ecological balance. Um, So in practice, you want the total amount of carbon dioxide and methane generated by your actions and reducing your waste, energy, water, plastic, trash, and food. So really to me, what that means to the average person, if we're not talking about manufacturers or counties or city or government, is what can we each do to make a difference? And this carbon footprint kind of has it is a good summary of all the things that we as humans in our daily lives touch. We touch fuel, we touch gas, we touch recycling, we have waste. Um, there's transportation. We use electricity. We use water, um, and we use our dollars for all of these things. And it's that's one thing that we can really control is how we use our draw- dollars, putting them towards companies or products that are taking care of the offset or producing things sustainably, um, we can control that. We can buy from people who are taking care of that for us. Um, So I like people just take a snapshot out and think about what are you doing in your daily life and what are some things that you can do better? And everybody can figure out a few things they can do better, but I tell people, start with one or two, make it a habit, make it a practice. And until it's something that you do habitually, like shopping bags. How many people take shopping bags to the grocery store? Hopefully, everybody.
0: That was a. Oh, yeah. here in New Jersey, they passed the uh, ban the plastic bag law, so we are now uh, bringing our own reu- reusable bags to the to the stores in New Jersey. Yep.
3: Same here in Pakistan. Same here in Pakistan, do... and it changed it two years back. There was a ban. And now no one is allowed to sell those plastic bags. So Everyone has these recycling ones. But it costs a lot, to be honest. (laughs) I never like, because the plastic bags were free, but now you have to purchase these recyclable things, which they have imposed. uh, But obviously it takes a dent on your, uh, which is a good thing too. But I think it can be a little less cheaper.
2: Well, I think also you can use any bag if you just need to get into the habit of bringing it to the store, I think them charging you, they're trying to make a point to be aware of it. Like if you don't remember, or if you're not making this a habit, then you're gonna have to pay for it. You're gonna have to offset what it was to make that plastic bag. Whereas previously, because plastic is cheap, we've given them out for free. Um, And I think we've been having the conversation about bringing shopping bags to our shopping for years and years. And then finally the government kind of caught up and said, okay, now we're gonna make it a law. We're gonna charge you for that. Um, I, love to, I like to encourage people to take one step further. Hopefully you're bringing your shopping bags. In your shopping bags, you can put your produce bags. So when you go to pick out fruits and vegetables, instead of taking that plastic bag, bring a reusable bag. It doesn't have to be a perfect produce bag. It could be any container or any kind of bag that you have. You could make them. You could take old t-shirts or clothes or any kind of materials you have. You could stitch up the sides and you could make that a bag that you're taking. But taking the produce bag is one step that that's the first thing I tell people. Hey, you want to be more sustainable? You want to look at your carbon footprint? Why don't you take a reusable bag for your produce instead of taking the little plastic bags that they offer. Um, The second year that I had Planet Renew, I actually did a um, study on the plastic bags. And just at my local farmer's market, for the average family of four, if they brought their produce bags, whether it was to the farmer's market or the grocery store, instead of taking the plastic bag, that saved over 350 plastic bags being taken, used, and potentially going to trash. That's just a family of four, 350 350 little plastic bags. So just think about that exponentially when you look at the entire population. If the average family of four is using 350, and the average person is probably using 60 to 80 a year, depending on how much they shop. um, And that's even if it's being reused, they're still taking plastic bags because sometimes you don't remember to bring the other plastic bag that you used a week ago. Um, so that's an, a really easy swap that if you already bring your shopping bags, throw in your produce bags, go to the store, use those instead of taking a bag. And then, of course, after you finish shopping, you have to remember to put all the bags back together and throw them back on your bike or your car or however you, you do your shopping. Does anyone here use
0: produce bags? I just- do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think they're great. I think they're the number. The
3: number sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for explaining that.
0: Yeah, I was at the
2: farmer's market and I had a big, huge graph. And every time uh, people purchased produce bags, we had like a little lever that showed how many were being used and how, how much um, plastic bags that were saving. Because people like visuals. They like to see that they're making a difference. And if you give them a number, wow, family of four, 350 bags a year, that's a lot you know you take a bag and you fill up your apples you take another bag and you um you know get your carrots you just think well it's no big deal just a few bags well they add up sorry about that my thing i do have a
3: question yeah i do have a question but i think i will ask after like in the end of the presentation or i can do it right now whatever Yeah, yeah okay so here's the thing i i have like you have told the numbers here and i think uh, in last 5 years we have seen numbers that this much have this percentage this percentage has been done wrong then we started working on the climate change and we started doing some little bit of efforts but do we have a number like did that affect like did that change anything in the climate are we a back like back a little percent than what we were before like that's my like we always hear the bad numbers the big bad numbers of this much wrong has been done. Right. But are there any good numbers of what we have done right?
2: Um, there are good numbers. I mean, you can see in different parts, you know, take one of the countries and you can see some of the effects of how areas and you kind of have to break it down to which kind of area we're talking about. Because I always like to look at what's going on with the ocean, what's going on with the earth, where we're living, where we're growing our food and what's going on with our water. Because at the end of the day, all of these things are connected and what we buy and what we eat and how things are manufactured and produced, you know, add to the whole circle and cycle of how things go. So when people are making better changes and there's less um, production of things made out of petroleum, then yeah, things do change, and also the air, forgot the air, air, water, and the earth. Um, You know, you can take a look at different areas where, you know, sunscreen um, that's not reef safe, and now people are more aware of it. How is that affecting the coral reefs? You can find good statistics. And, you know, even when I talk to people, we can talk about what's doing wrong, but I I do like to be positive and tell people what they can do to make a difference, because I really believe in, if everybody, if everyone made a few changes and then it was exponential, that's how change starts to happen. And, you know, if you look at the food chain, for example, or or just manufacturing in the U S um, high fructose corn syrup, it was put in absolutely everything in our foods. We don't need it. It's not necessary. It's a cheap sugar that was made for manufacturing and people made enough noise, wrote enough letters, talked about it. The manufacturers finally changed it and there was a ban on getting rid of it um, out of your you know cereals, your breads, your ketchup. Now if you go into the grocery store, there's Heinz ketchup without high fructose corn syrup. We don't need it, but I think people need to use their um, voices, they need to use their dollars for things to change. We I look at having a store. And talking to people in groups and really focusing on education as a bottom up approach. We are the consumers. We use our dollars. We are um, living day to day. And then there's the top down approach. And that's your government and that's your political groups and that's your manufacturing. And both together will make things change. But sometimes we just need to make enough noise, honestly. not sure if I answered your question, but the bottom line is there is good news. There was a good answer.
0: Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. I think sometimes like to follow up with what the two of you are talking about is that sometimes the climate change conversation can feel overwhelming to people. And it's like, well, if I do this little thing, does it really make a difference? And what I hear you saying is, yes, it does. And if everybody made a little change, then those little changes would exponentially add up. And make big bigger changes contribute to the bigger changes
3: true like everyone believes that and I think we are the affected one here I'm from Pakistan you heard about the floods last year Mm -hmm. right now the the I think you know about this AQI this air quality index Mm -hmm. it's 459 here in Lahore and 459 means by like it's has addressed right now (laughs) so it's really difficult to breathe air and this happens every year and this has been happening for like last seven years now when i was growing up it was not like this we used to have clean air and now it's difficult to breathe so it change is happening like it is really affecting us so and i think every place i guess so
2: you feel like we can do the change, or in the air quality is from manufacturing? Is it from lifestyle, like cars? It's
3: from burning. It's from everything of that. We have that, but major contributor is, I think, crop burning. So that's the reason we heard from government, at least, that there is some burning of crops. And that is, crops means, I think, that's the waste material of that so they burn that out and it goes out in the clouds and then it just becomes uh smog air for us.
2: Yeah, when you burn um when you burn something a lot of the particles that go up into the air they don't evaporate they don't go away and that's why you get that lingering smog feel and unfortunately with fire a lot of those particles can be toxic. So, you know, I know that in a lot of countries burning has been a practice for fields or even for trash. Um, but it's hard to get rid of. Um, obviously, the best solution is not to burn, but it's, I think, coming up with op- options and solutions for those that are burning. What can they do instead? What should they do instead? How can they do that? And it's kind of providing those options so that those actions can change. So that if you know half of those burning, for example, in Pakistan did not, and they had another option, I'm sure your air quality would... Um, Greatly improved.
3: Yes, we have some questions also from the audience. So there is one: How do you respond to the to people that are reluctant to change something as simple as recycling?
2: It depends if I'm in a public forum like this, or if it's a little more intimate situation. Um, If I have the opportunity, I like to talk to the person if they're resistant and try to figure out the why they're resistant. Um, If they feel they're resistant simply because I'm just one person and I can't make a difference, I do like to share that everybody can make a difference. And we had a really great example during COVID Um, where we were all kind of locked down, and we were in our houses, and the sky was the clearest, the most pristine that it had been probably in many of our lifetimes, and that's because the industry and the manufacturing and the cars were not in use, so, you know, everything was clearing. We weren't um, putting that pollution into the air, so really an exponential, meaning many of us making change, does have a positive effect, so I try to Kind of hammer down or get to that with the person to figure out where they're coming from you know why they're against it and then just show different examples or ways of what they can do that because um, everyone likes to make change they like to feel good about it they like to feel like i did something and it's it's been helpful um and a lot of i think making change that i suggest is not only for yourself and for your home but getting out into the community and encourage people to um, join a group, get on Facebook, get, get involved in your city and see what you can do. Sometimes just like doing a trash pickup in your local area, you feel better, you've helped the environment. It's a symbiotic um, activity. Um, and, but I do understand that people feel overwhelmed when you hear about these different topics climate change or sustainability or zero waste. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm just gonna live my life and continue on my normal path. Um, but if you can give them a, a good reason or a good activity, uh, a lot of times that does make the difference. Let's see, Why do we need to be more sustainable? Well, we covered some of those. Um... I think
0: we gave a really I... clear example. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Um, these are just a, kind of like a quick laundry list of specifics. Um, a lot of people don't think about their landfills that are in their area. And one of the first thing I, I write local articles and on who's doing what in our area. And one of the things I did a couple of years ago is I went to my local trash company, the ones who pick up. And fortunately in California, we have composting, we have uh, recycling and we have trash. So we have three bins. So I kind of wanted to follow the trash. Um, so I went to our local company and in the United States, I believe that they're all open to the public. If you'd like to go, you'd like to take a tour, you'd like to get more infa- information. I do highly recommend following the trash because once you see what happens, um, it kind of, it's more meaningful when you just, you know, take a piece of paper and you throw it in the recycling bin or you have a package and you throw it in the trash. It's kind of out of sight, out of mind, not my problem, but if you actually go and see what a landfill is and how it works, then you can kind of have some connectivity to you know your connection to the situation. Um, so if we are more sustainable, we will reduce waste and the size of our landfills. Um, because we have composting here in California, I have a family of five and in my bins, our trash every week is literally less than a foot. It's about this big. Um, my recycling is about half of our bin and the rest goes into composting. So um, we really can make a difference and it just starts with your trash. Trash is the simplest, easiest way to start. Um, If you don't have composting available through your waste management company, I highly recommend um, seeing if that can be changed. If you can call them, email them, get a group together, go to your city council, um, try to implement that because then it's super easy. You have a green bin, your landscaping and your composting go in it. And in your composting, we'll have another slide on that, but you can put more things than you think you can, everything from your white paper towels, unless you're using reusable, all of your food waste and bones, eggs, um, byproducts. Um, so it's a really great way to cut down on your trash. I always tell people, if your trash smells, then you have put something in there that shouldn't have gone in there. Um, if you don't have composting in your city, You can start your own composting. You can get a little bin. You can Google it, YouTube, and um, put all of your scraps and all of your um, products there. Uh, Another great reason to be sustainable is preserve our natural resources, not just for us, for future generations. And that goes back to your water, your air, your soil, and fuel. We want to prevent worsening climate disasters. Uh, Again, it's all connected, what we do, how we do it. How things are hot, cold, storms, hurricanes, all that stuff, um, and we want a more equitable future globally. You know, not, not just for us, but for everybody, and that that's worldwide because we are. There's some disparity on on the countries and resources, and uh, we want to have this world for everybody. Any questions on any of this?
0: No, looking good. You can keep going. Okay.
2: Um, so next slide. So one good t- one good um, topic to talk about when we think about being sustainable is a, is a term called circularity. Um, it's becoming more popular to talk about. You might have heard this term. And circularity really, in a nutshell, means I want to create a product, product A, and I'm going to think about everything from sourcing the product, where, how, manufacturing it the product and then the end of its life cycle. So I'm thinking of the whole life cycle of a product from the beginning to the end, not just um, I have a pen and I hope at the end I can recycle the outside of it. I think right now we, in the United States, for sure we have a very linear approach. Um, We take stuff, we make it, we throw it away. Maybe we'll recycle it, that's linear. Circularity really gets you to think about the whole entire life cycle and now even in school, we're encouraging people, the young people, because they're going to be taking over the, our world as we get older, um, create products that at the end of the life cycle, you either can reuse the product, you can repurpose it, or you can compost it. It'll You can take it apart and the parts can be um, somehow reused or composted. Because right now, most things that we create are not compostable, they do not biodegrade and very, very few products are we actually trying to repair and reuse, Um, but it is becoming more popular. Uh, Mod, here we go, that's the definition. Um, A lot of products right now, they're looking at them in a modular capacity. So let's take a computer, for example. Usually at the end of the computer life cycle, maybe you can have it repaired a few times um, and then a lot of people, We'll throw it away, or maybe it'll go to a electronics recycling. Um, in a perfect world, we'd have the computer in modular parts. So, at the as the computer ages, you know, widget A breaks, I replace widget A, and then B through F still work. Um, or the main part of the computer breaks, and now I can take widget A through F, and I can repurpose them into other um, products. So, circularity is looking at how to use our natural resources. In putting them into a product that, at the end of its life, um, will not create any waste. So this takes some great planning, some great engineering, um, some great design and creativity. But this is really a way to move forward without a lot of waste. And it's uh, and the the benefit of that is we're going to use less uh, resources and we'll use our raw materials in a better way instead of trying to produce for the masses, um, I'm sure everybody, you know, we love things cheap, we love things quick, we love things, love things fast, but that doesn't uh, do well for the environment because at the end of the day, you know, I bought three things and then they died maybe after a year and then I threw them away. So circularity is really encouraging everyone to think about how to um, use products, great products, and we as consumers to buy products that are um, have this concept in mind. And I I did a class from the University of Chicago last year on circularity. And it was great to look at some of the companies in the United States that have gone into business to repurpose, purely to repurpose. And a lot of it is electronics, because electronics use a lot of um, precious metals. They use a lot of resources to create our computers, our phones, our cars, um, everything electronic that we benefit from that makes our life easier. And so taking all those products and how to repurpose them. How can we keep their life cycle, extend their life cycle? Um, you know, and we did this study where, would you go and buy a new computer if yours broke or would you be interested in, in having it um, you know, repurposed or fixed first? If, you're broke, if your vacuum broke, would you try to get it fixed first or would you buy a new one? And it's surprising how many people, well, it's just easier to buy a new one. I'll just get a new vacuum. I'll just buy a new iPhone. Um, so I think it's changing the mentality to, hey, this broke, let me try to fix it first, or let me pass it on to a company or, or group that is going to repurpose it, donate it to that group, and then maybe you need to go, then you need to buy your new
0: one. Right, it's yeah. interesting, you're bringing up the thought that we don't have as many repair shops around anymore. So it'll be nice to see that come back as well. So it's encouraging to hear about the the repurposing businesses. Yeah, I think coming up. Yeah. I think I think people who live on on homesteads or do regenerative agriculture are really familiar with the circular zero waste because they um they they live with it and they see it and I think people who live in cities or more suburban areas are in a more linear and less conscious, less aware per uh perspective with it. So I'm curious as I'm listening to you like when you became aware of this linear process, what was it like? Did you do you look around and see every place now, like like where you can change or swap out, or what was that like for you in in the beginning, like the inspiration? So people know what the transition is like because it can sound like, oh, I have to change everything. Where do you start? But you just start with one one thing, and uh, yeah. But then you start noticing other things so what was that like for you? I think it was just a heightened awareness,
2: and like you know your world got a little bigger in a different way and and it's just thinking about things in a different way um and i and just to the fact that my my class with circularity repair shops for every type of electronic that is going to be a new developed sector um the crazy part is we kind of need to go back to how things were done a couple generations ago before the advent of the plastic, what I call the plastic plastic revolution. You know, a lot of, you know, my grandparents and their parents would say, you know, this is silly, this whole organic thing and and this whole like new thing that you're doing. Well, that's how they live. And I think people in more um, rural areas that's also how they live. They have to reuse, they grow their things, they have to preserve, they have reusable containers. And I think that was a good point that in the urban were more ziplock bags, throw this away, take out, everything is quick. It's turning over water bottle, the average water bottle, you know, that you can buy was used for three minutes, but the amount of water just to make that plastic bottle, you know, would feed a couple hundred people. So I think it's to me, it started with just a level of awareness of what I can do and how I can do it better. And, you know, I always tell people who come into my shop or when I'm talking to them, use what you have first. Don't feel bad about what you have. You've already bought it. Enjoy it. Use it. But when you need to buy something new or something um, breaks, what is your options? You know, what can I do better? So I think um, just awareness around it is, is the first step.
0: That's great. Do you have any more slides to share with us? any more slides to read? Yep, that's our circularity. I think I have a couple more.
2: Oh yes. Okay. Your goals. So when we do a workshop, I always have people bring either their phone or their tablet or if they they like their paper and their pen and come up with the goals of what why they came to the workshop and we talk about the why. They want a more sustainable because everyone has different reasons. And then we come up with a list of things that they can do. Um, this is a list of like in general, on what people have come up with in my workshops that I like to share in case people need ideas. Um, but one of the things that I talked about earlier is you can reduce food waste. Um, you can compost yourself or put in a composting bin. And I think just for the last week that wasted food was one of the top em- um, emitters of and methane. Um, we, 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 do, we waste a lot in the United States. So just being aware of food waste um, and what you can control is in your own life. Um, how can you save on energy, gasoline, electricity? What are some more natural or rene- renewable energy sources? If you have a hybrid or an electric car or solar or any of those kind of uh, products. Um, a lot of people want to live healthier, being more in tune with nature. A lot of people are just concerned about their natural resources. They've read or they realize that we don't have um, infinite water uh, available to us. We don't have infinite land. We don't have infinite anything, really. Um, A lot of people just want to learn more about composting and recycling. Uh, They they realize if they're on social media, they could join groups for ideas um, and for fun, activities, um, being an advocate, spreading the word, you know if you live in your local town you have local government you can zoom in be part of meetings send a letter um and help be part of the plastic solution so these are some summary goals of why people were wanting to make changes
3: yes, we want have one question here yes which is more of a common plus question so this is here we go researchers have Genetically engineered a marine microorganism organism to break down plastic in small water. The modified organism can break down polyethylene terephthalate PET, a contributor to microplastic pollution in oceans, that is used in everything from water bottles to clothing.
0: Any thoughts?
3: The researchers are really doing something. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Are you aware of this at all or is this? I've heard
2: about it. Yes. Yeah. I've, I've heard of a couple different um, little startups that are working on um, breaking down plastics, either in the ocean or at, at waste management facilities. And I, I think it's uh, fantastic. I think that's something that needs to be more wide scale. So I know that a lot of them right now, they're just doing testing and they're seeing like the cause and effect. And if there's any byproducts from doing that. Um, but these kind of things are the technology that we need for the future. Um, in addition to this, you may have heard about the, uh, the great, the, uh, the great garbage patch and, uh, off the coast of San Francisco, there was a startup coming to take all of the trash and bring it in so that we could process it here on land, just different things to help kind of clean up and break down the mess that we've already made <laughs> um
3: they they sound more like a workaround rather than the actual solution like you put a bandit on something
2: <laughs> yes put a band-aid
3: on something don't do the right thing but just put some bandit for some time and yeah
2: well my first my first recommendation always and at all times is you know kind of look at how we're doing things and change, get to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem would be not using petroleum products, not using gasoline, um, not using plastic. That would be the root of the problem, making changes that you know we don't need to rely on plastic. Um, but we've already created enough plastic that is not being paid attention to that we do need work. We do need solutions like this. So I think really going forward, it's twofold. We need to change it, um, our behavior and our manufacturing and our products so that we're not putting this much plastic out into the environment. And we need to deal with the plastic we've already created that is either in the oceans or at our landfill or in our trash. Um, so it's a two-pronged approach. And, you know, when I'm talking to a group, though, I always like to focus on what can you do, though? What can you individually do? How can you make a change? And if one of those people is a designer, an engineer, a scientist, creative. I, I love all of these kinds of things. There was a, a company in Southern California that was working on a chemical reaction of breaking down uh, different plastics, you know, different grades of plastics. And he was trying to make it into a liquid that could be poured on the plastic. So there's different startups um, that are out there. And that's kind of like dealing with the problem we already have and let's try to work on not creating more of a problem. So we're talking about two different things. They both need to be addressed. Um, but I think, you know, when we talk individually, we work on ourselves first. <laughs> How can we make a difference and what can we do differently?
0: Right, and consumers vote with their dollars, right? So it's like, we're gonna be able to support these startup businesses and with, um, with making these choices. Tell us, um, we have about fifteen minutes left, and I did want to make sure that we had time to talk about the the refill, uh, the refill shop. So I'm curious to know because you're because uh, this ties into the reduce and reuse. So how does the refill shop work? Like for the how does someone come in? You bring your things in.
2: Yeah. So fill I- it up. Bring containers they already have in their house we know that most people already have your dish soap container your shampoo conditioner your lotion every product that you can think of if you you actually like left this podcast and you looked around your house most of the cleaners lotions um, personal products cleaning products would be in plastic So um, I know we're scrolling through my website right now. These are all refills that come in four liter or gallon containers. Um, So what would happen is let's say you brought in a container. This was on my desk, so I'm just using it. Ah, This one's bigger. Um, You brought in an empty container. I would put it on a scale as would most uh, refill places. You'd weigh it, we take off the lid first, then we'd weigh it and then we'd go fill up and you'd fill up with whatever. So in a container like this, I have a skincare line. Uh, made from a lady from UCSF Um, she's a chemist and so somebody came in they wanted facial wash or they wanted new night cream or eye cream we'd fill it up we'd weigh it tear it take out the weight of the container then we'd go fill it up with whatever product he or she wanted and then we'd put it back on the scale and we would enter the price per ounce of whatever that product was and then you would pay only for the ounces in there and put the lid back on and we'd refill other products if you needed it. Um, So it's a really great way to use products you most likely already have in your house and um, replace them with high quality, if not organic, then very high quality products um, for your body, for your hair, for your skin, for cleaning, uh, for laundry. So most refilleries will offer all of those different gamuts. You've got, you know, cleaning, laundry, hand soap, dish soap, cleaners, stain removers. Um, we have dental toothpaste, toothpaste tablets, shampoo, conditioner, lotions. We have aloe vera gel. We have hair gel. We have pet shampoo. We have baby shampoo. Everything you could think of that you would go to store X for, you can go to refillery and fill up on all of those products.
0: So a yeah. lot of, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really great idea. I'm curious to, um, hear a little bit more about what it uh creates what it takes to put a refillery together like was it complicated is it easy do you have to you know are there complications with board of health or like are there a lot of permits or like is it is it yeah share share with people cuz i'm oh. curious like if people would want to get start one of these in their local areas if um how you got inspired to start a refillery yeah I mean, I was
2: inspired more when I I started the company and all of my companies were plastic alternatives and it was kind of like the next step. It was like, well, okay, I have, you know, products for the kitchen. It's not a paper towel. It's an unpaper towel. I've got um, my produce bags. I have, you know, reusable containers, reusable straws, reusable everything, or they're compostable. And like, well, but I still had all this plastic in my house. So it was a natural extension to how can I get rid of that plastic? Um, and I also was speaking to a cancer support group in a nearby town. And this helped me along the journey. She's like, I know you're a store. Can you get this one shampoo and conditioner for me? Because this is what we um, use at the facility. And it was a you know pretty organic, very pure brand. And I was like, sure, I can get that in bulk for you. And then I was like, I can just offer it now to everybody. So it kind of just led to um, a request from a cancer group who needed a, a toxic free product. Um, like, well, everybody probably should be use, using better products, right? I mean, not just those who are in this situation. Why, why don't we just make things cleaner and easier for everybody? Um, starting a refill store, um, you're going to want to make sure that you tell everybody what it is and how to do it because it's changing consumer behavior and that's hard to do. And it's also an extra step. So maybe people go to a grocery store or they go to Costco and then, or they go to Trader Joe's and now they need to go to another place and bring their bottles. Um, so you want to explain the why and maybe make it fun for them <laughs> or, or add some uh, interesting other aspects to it. Um, my store is part of a yoga and a nutritionist. So we're kind of a little wellness center. Um, there's, there's no special permits for refills, um, but there is, if you want to go into bulk foods. So I have a, a gentleman that has a store in a nearby town and they went into bulk. So I know you need, um, I think it's the health permits and food permits. Um, so that's a whole nother ball of wax when you go into refillable food. Uh, but it's also a great way to cut down on plastic. If you go and refill on your bulk food items. Um, so anything going into bulk. Um, I always tell people, like I have these laundry strips that I sell um, that are great. And it's like a packet that's this thin and this wide. And there's 32 loads in there. They're like, oh, I saw that online. I ordered it from online. I'm like, well, I take it in bulk. So I get one shipment. It came from the company in one packet. I can serve 500 customers. So I took the carbon footprint for you versus you ordering it and you having the company ship it in one box to you. Anytime you do anything in a larger quantity or in bulk, um, it reduces the carbon footprint. It's it's better than five hundred people all ordering and getting individual shipments to themselves. Um, so those are just like little things to think about and share. Um, but honestly, I think until the big big block stores kind of adopt what I'm doing, um, I think every town needs a refillery. I think they need to have the option. I need they think they need to have some place that they can go and get high quality products that aren't in plastic. So Great. if you don't have one, start one and call me. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: terrific. Thank you so much. Are there any Arib, how are we doing? Are there any questions or comments from the uh I don't yeah, see, I see any
3: new
1: I one see a here? Question.
0: Oh. We're getting some hearts and loves. I like to see those pop up. So thank you, thank you for the hearts and loves, for those of you watching.
1: Yeah, I see a question about uh, circular economy. So any mm-hmm. thoughts on embracing circular economy?
2: And I'm sorry, what was the question?
1: Uh, about circular economy. So any thoughts on embracing?
2: I mean, the circular economy that I think if there is one thing to think about is how can we have a product that we think about the light, the complete life cycle of it. And that is circularity. I want to produce um, this coffee mug. What kind of raw materials do I need? who's going to manufacture it, what kind of transportation, where is it being sold and what's going to happen at the end of its life cycle? I want to make sure that this is either reused, repurposed, or it's going to be compostable, biodegradable. That to me is the epitome of circular economy. So is there
3: any nation right now? I think you said that there are a few companies in the U.S. which are trying to follow that uh, as, but do you think any nation who is like beating everything, like everyone else? I feel like Japan is doing a really good job. But again, they do a lot of bad things, too.
2: (laughs) It depends what we're talking about. Um, I do, just because I'm in the space and I talk to a lot of people, Europe, a lot of the countries in Europe, as well as Australia, they do a better, their governments do a better job of making sure the products are better for you. There's less chemicals or toxins, especially if you're talking about the beauty industry than we do in the US. and they're they're not as menu they're not as uh is it, like fast fashion or fast access heavy as we are. Like if you go into a lot of stores in Europe, um, you might find a lot of the products I'm selling because that's just what they do and what they've been doing. Um, I had a second location at UC Berkeley last year, and I would have a lot of the students, international students, very frustrated with shopping here because they couldn't find, you know, um, eco feminine care products or they couldn't find um, things for the kitchen of the house that they're still used to buying at their regular stores there that here you had to go to a specialty store. So I think different, depending on what you're talking about um, different parts of the world do do a better job than we do. Um, again, I think it has to do with awareness and then it has to do with who's making it and what kind of practices they're doing. So I think, you know, holistically a lot of those need to change. Um, But, you know, we're in the United States here. We have access to everything. We just need to demand with our dollars what we want to see and what we want to buy.
1: Awesome. And um, there is a question about CCS. So the feasibility and future of carbon capture and storage. Do you have any thoughts on that?
2: On carbon capture? Right. Um, Well, that is, as far as I know, and I've known a little bit about it, some technology to help um, capture a lot of the carbon that we are emitting or that uh, manufacturing processes are emitting. emitting. And there's different uh, ways to do that. And there's different technologies. I know one of them was trying to capture a lot of the emissions and put them underground. Um, There was another company trying to capture them and... Try to disintegrate them um but i as far as I know, we're not terribly advanced in that area, but that is one offset to you know kind of some of the bad things that we're doing in our economy um so there's a lot of really great innovative people and companies coming up right now which which I love, and I think um as consumers. The more we become aware of who's doing what and and we can support them either with dollars or even with just awareness and like right now like we're talking about it um that has an exponential effect and i think that the, the power of communication and the power of knowledge is, is super important um at the end of the day i always tell people and i'm kind of switching topics here look at the facts look at science um right now one of my classes is really just the science of how everything operates in your weather and with your agriculture and um, how things are, how we process things. And, you know, that's not something that can be interpreted. It's not a personal opinion, but it's something that's real and it's tangible. And that's where we can have
0: honest conversations on how things are working and how we can change things. Great. Uh Thank you. We, we all... love highlighting people who are working at a grassroots community level and uh, doing really interesting things for the their themselves, sharing with others and growing businesses, too. So it's really inspirational. So what's next for you on the on the horizon? Um, well, I love my
2: little store and I love Refillery and I think I'm kind of heading in like a two prong approach. One is really just raising awareness around what I'm doing, um, which I thank you for having me um, to do that kind of on a larger scale so people can look at what they're doing where they live. Um, and also trying to look at more uh, policy, you know, what kind of things are happening in my town and in my, com- in my, in my city and my county, and, you know, being more of a voice. Um, I have a monthly newsletter and it was more general, like what we're doing in our city. And I've just started to include higher level things for those that are interested in like the global plastics trading. You know, what is it? Let me just tell you what it's about. And here's some petitions if you want to be involved in it. So I'm heading more into just increasing awareness around all these topics and um, letting people take in what they can
0: and and, um, raising awareness. Thank you. Thank you so much. So all the best to your future successes and uh, endeavors. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Areeb and Mark, do you have any other, is no, there
3: I anything to, else? Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you. I'll sh- my camera is stand up. So- oh,
0: there he <laughs> is, hi. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah.
3: Thank you so much for being on. And it was um, really uh, I think, good presentation, good conversation, good podcast session. And I hope our community members will love it. It will be um, on our website in like about two days. And I will share the link with you so you can just forward it to your network. And yeah, best of luck
2: for the future. Thanks Thank so you so much for having right. me. And if anyone has any other questions or comments, feel free to reach out. Um, I don't know if I should put my email in there or we want to share it. Or... Yeah, we'll...
1: We'll share your contact with the audience, but um, I see Wayne is here. I'm not sure if he's able to join us, but um, uh, if he has any questions or, you know, uh, maybe- Wayne,
0: are you able to unmute at all? See if he can just say hello.
1: Okay, he's on the road, but- um, He's on the road, okay. Yeah, but anyhow, uh, thanks so much for- being a guest to us, and we appreciate everything you do. And thank best of luck.
2: I, I enjoy your podcast also, and I, I discovered it maybe a few months ago, and uh, I, I love what you guys are doing as well. So thank you for that. And have a great day, and any other questions? Yeah, let
3: me know. Mark, let's yeah. I think it's yeah. Power. I think
0: yeah.
1: yeah everybody hey. have a great rest of your day, and best of luck to everybody. Yeah.
0: Mark, take us out. Thank you, everybody. Hey, everybody. I bet you enjoyed that immensely. That was one of our most amazing presentations here at the EAT community. Please look forward to our next podcast in the very near future, and we look
1: forward to seeing you again on the EAT community podcast. <laughs>